Is the devastating Trump felony indictment way worse than he or the Republican Party could have imagined? This is the Beyond Politics podcast and the Balance of Power Roundtable. This is part two of a show that we started yesterday. If you're just catching up to us now, but you didn't catch yesterday's, please go check that out wherever you get your podcasts or on the Blue Amp channel on YouTube, where we also appear for our video audience. I'm Matt Robeson. I'm joined once again by our panel of conservative commentator, analyst, and consultant, Alicia Preston, and former prosecutor and former U.S. congressman, Paul Hodes. Guys, I really enjoyed our conversation yesterday. It was like a Tony Romo NFL game experience. You know how Romo will be like, I think what's going to happen on this play is you're going to see a cover two scheme, but they might audible into a blitz. Paul, you were doing that all day long during the show yesterday. It was great. I give us an A minus. The minus is for me because I said, I'm not a legal analyst, but I can do math. And I proceeded to multiply 34 counts <laughs> times four years per count and arrive at 132. Observe, observant listeners and viewers will, of course, know that four times 32 is 136. I guess I can't do that. Shame I on didn't you. know it was a live math test. But, you're, um, you're off the show. That's that, about it. You can't that's, add, you're off the show. That's the problem. I'd like to start off how we started off yesterday. I think the analysis that you guys provided yesterday was outstanding. What has changed for you overnight now that you've had time to reflect and see what other people are saying and read through the documents more closely. You posed a question to me yesterday about I had walked into yesterday with the chargers weren't going to be politically significant. This wasn't the biggest deal out there. <clears throat> this wasn't what people were concerned of and had my mind changed. And I said, yes, I'm changing it back. I've completely changed my opinion after reading the indictment, watching analysis and listening to legal experts. And for you've the done record, a full 360. I did. A, I'm doing a full 360. And I actually spent way too much time last night because I missed a bunch of WWE that I wanted to see. But way too much time last night listening and reading and legal analysts from every political perspective I could find. And it's pretty universal that they think this is soft. And then when you look deeper, Paul, explain this one to me, because I literally can't find the answer to this and I don't understand it. These rise to felonies because they were in the commission of other an underlying crime, and that underlying crime is not listed in the indictment or in the explanation. So that's leaving a lot of people scratching their heads. This is a former president of the United States of America. I think that has to be taken into account when considering prosecution. I think it was here. My concern is it was taken in the wrong direction, that it was charged more dramatically than it would have been if he were not a former president of the United States. At the end of the day, all of this is about he paid off women he had sex with to keep them silent during an election. Nobody cares about that. So here's the thing. So yesterday, I mistakenly assumed when we heard 34 indictments and we heard about conspiracy and records that there would be a count, an actual count in the indictment charging the conspiracy. There is no count in the indictment that charges the conspiracy as a separate criminal offense from the falsifying business records. All 34 counts are for falsifying business records. What they did was they outlined this the conspiracy and the scheme in the statement of facts and the narrative that is the introduction to the falsifying business records. Now, on one hand, 
you might say, oh, that makes it a nothing burger because it's just falsifying business records and that's a weak case. On the other hand, there is some legal genius in filing 34 counts of what is a pedestrian crime in one sense, falsifying business records, not that big a deal. But if you're president of the United States and you falsify your business records in pursuit of a scheme, which they leave essentially open in the sense that they, in their narrative, they provide multiple paths for the prosecution to get to other crimes which they can introduce. They can introduce evidence of the attempt to interfere with the federal election. They can introduce evidence of violation of New York state crimes. They could introduce of crimes around tax law. They could introduce a host of different kinds of criminal activity. Most, I would sense most of it related to the federal election, but they have multiple avenues of evidence of other crimes in pursuit of which Trump's scheme to falsify the business records was carried out. Now, on the one hand, you could argue that makes it a nothing burger because it's a just, you know, business records. On the other hand, he was running for president. This was a scheme about interfering with the 2016 election. It is detailed in the narrative. And the legal genius is to not try to swing for the fences, so to speak, and have the grand slam of a separate conspiracy charge, but contain this in a very focused, very straight ahead, very easily provable set of 34 felonies because attached to, to the big burger. And so I think as a prosecutor, if you're going after the big guy, you want it easily provable. You want it straight ahead. You want to be able to simplify it for a jury. They've kept it all in one lane. I think that's a very smart way to handle a huge event. And I'll add in that a lot of what, Alicia, you were picking up, which again was what Politico was picking up in their commentary. They led their pod this morning saying, it seems like the legal scholars out there were a little underwhelmed here. So there's an answer provided by Joyce Vance, our former guest on this show, the MSNBC legal analyst, former federal prosecutor, on her substack, where she addresses this exact point and says, this is actually the standard practice in New York to indict a case like this without referencing the specific criminal violations that enhance the charges. And it would have been a mistake to treat this case differently from other cases. If the prosecutors had done that and they had given all the details that TV legal analysts want to see, then Trump's lawyers this morning would be complaining about treating him differently and providing all of that additional information in the indictment. And her argument is we need to apply a little bit of patience here because as Paul said, there are multiple avenues that they have introduced here. They don't need to show all their cards yet. There is going to be a discovery process. I think what you're picking up in the commentary has more to do with disappointment that we're not getting all the goods now than it speaks to the weakness of the case. 
the core point that I made, and I think we all made yesterday, is that Alvin Bragg has taken this from a case about campaign finance law, which I agree is very hard for people to understand or care about, and turned it into a case about business fraud with the additional layer he's given himself the option of introducing a tie to tax fraud. That is something that people get. Business fraud is something that people get. It's something, it was a core issue that was used to help take down and defeat Mitt Romney in 2012. I don't think that's going to be, as a political matter, as hard a sell for the American people. So if by weak case, people mean... <laughs> It's not as sexy as it could be. We want we want to see we want a television type prosecution here. We want to see the charges laid out and all and a multitude of different crimes alleged. That would be really something. Boy, that would be a strong case. From a legal standpoint, Alvin Bragg has a very strong case on the falsifying business records. He has a very strong case on 34 felonies because he has the goods and he has the evidence to show that the entries were made. He has the people who know about why those entries were made. And he has tapes from Michael Cohen. So I don't get people who say this is not a strong case. I think it's a very strong case from a prosecution standpoint. The reference to this is how it's normally done in New York and Trump's lawyers would have complained. Trump's lawyers are going to complain no matter what. That's what the defendant's lawyers are going to do about the process. But in part, they should. Of course, New York should not do this case like they do every other case. He is the former president of the United States of America. He is the leading Republican candidate for the nomination for president of the United States of America. Of course, things should be done differently. When Alvin Bragg brought this prosecution forward and brought these indictments from the grand jury, the consideration must have been given. It was, right? How many defendants do they shut a courtroom down for? They shut the building down. The entire building was shut down because President Trump's coming in. Of course it's different, and the consideration should have been taken differently. The people have the right, if you're going to arrest and charge a former president of the United States of America, the people should absolutely and at the outset know what for. And at the end of the day, these are felonies for a reason we don't know why because he's not telling us. And no, I don't think that's the right thing to do. The stakes are way too high. We're talking about the fabric of a nation here. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. You're suggesting, oh, Alicia, is that he subvert the normal judicial process, the normal legal process. It's not subverting the judicial process. It, it absolutely the, is. They're no, not obligated it's to what their file tradition discovery is. now. They're, they're, and they're not they're obligated not. to not let us know oh, what the overlying charge is. Oh, there, there's oh, no obligation. They the have white, to tell us. Oh, unless it doesn't exist and they know oh, they can't prove it, which is why he was not indicted for it. Oh, I don't want the country to burn down because some prosecutor does have a political niche in his hat. Look, the basics are this, and you can complain about it, but this is a very strong indictment. It's an indictment because it lays out in the words of the indictment. Read that introduction, Alicia. Read it carefully, and you will see that they are asserting. They are have laid out a as clearly as I've ever seen in an indictment. Beautifully written, carefully crafted, very strong legal language in a concise and powerful way. They have laid out the scheme that the falsification of business records was meant to advance. It's all there. 
it's laid out. The fact that they didn't add, pile on multiple different kinds of crimes in their indictment doesn't make it a weak case. If this isn't political, let me ask you this. Why hasn't Alvin Bragg's counterpart in Stanford, Connecticut, charged Vince McMahon with falsifying business records? Because he got fired from the board of directors of WWE for paying off women with company money he shouldn't have been using, lying about where he that money came from, whom he had sex with in order to conceal it. You can't News. make comparisons. I'm not even an attorney. You can't make comparisons about two cases that are superficial. You might as well ask, right, why is Bragg a murder yesterday. case charged in one state and not in another state? The cases can have very different levels of evidence. They can have very different prosecutability. Are you in falsifying for tax evasion or are you falsifying because you didn't want now first of all i don't know why yes, that is Trump a connection didn't... that he's charging here he mentioned for tax. he didn't charge him with it did he i don't care what he mentions he's got 34 felony he, indictments no, he better Alicia, charge him with Alicia, the bigger picture he does not have to specify that there is a tax connection he does not have to do that he may not state. have to just because you're he impatient should. it's not about impatience it's still about may and he still may you're like Okay, I need this right now, right now. It's not about Pass my urge for test. immediate gratification, something we should not discuss during oh, this conversation, oh, but oh, it's oh, not my need for immediate gratification. You're failing oh, the marshmallow what? test, my friend. You're failing it. You oh, are. You're gosh. eating the marshmallow. Dude. Look what happened last night at Mar-a-Lago. Look what oh, happened on the network news everywhere. The judge's daughter? We got what yes. happened at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, I get that. that. This the is next, bigger the stakes. Next, when you said that's earlier, not what I'm talking about. you don't want the country to burn, you, that's called passive voice in writing. You omitted the actor in that. You don't want Donald Trump to burn down the country, is what you're saying. Because no, he's going I, to act I, I don't out. think Donald, Donald Trump will light the fire. It's his followers that are going yes. to cause damage. In and the same way that, that should be taken into consideration. Exactly. I the agree with step, that. The next step for Donald Dump is that he is going to be back in the courtroom and up for for making the statements. The judges, I predict, is going to hear that about once before Dump gets back into the courtroom. Juan Mershon is not going to stand for Toronald Dump going after his daughter and he in public for very long. That's my prediction. The next the next news we're going to hear, I think, from the courtroom may be Mr. Dump coming back in. I just I like to hear from our mind. Republican friends who were all like shedding like tears of, oh, the outrage when protesters were outside a restaurant where Brett Kavanaugh was eating dinner. So now you have the former president of the United States threatening the daughter of a sitting judge who, by the way, is presiding in his case. Where's your outrage? Where's your outrage, Republicans? I'm a Republican and I'm outraged. I think you should slap a gag on arm. But I Thank saw you. another analyst this morning. Do I you wonder feel lonely how this right works. now? Very lonely. Feel Very lonely. lonely. You, like, um, can we get the police song on here? Oh, one analyst this morning, and this was interesting. I wonder what you guys think of this. Said he thinks Trump is doing what he's doing in relation to the judge to force the judge to recuse himself. Paul, is that possible? Can you like force the judge to recuse himself because Trump's attacking his daughter? Is that a thing? I suppose ultimately the judge could say. I'm, if the judge said, I'm so personally outraged by this that I cannot sit impartially 
on the case, I have to recuse myself. I suppose you could imagine his lawyer <clears throat> saying, so here's what we're going to do. We want a different judge. This guy's too tough for us. Go after his daughter. Just say the most outrageous things you can about his daughter. Oh, when and Donald Trump has pulled my oh, beard, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, this is, I'm so glad I was indicted. Look, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Older listeners and viewers may remember the O.J. Simpson trial in which the presiding judge, Lance Ito, gave a tearful address from the bench in which he talked about the fact that the media was going after his wife and that he loved his wife very much and that this was very personally painful for him, but it was not causing him to recuse himself. Lo and behold, who leapt to Donald Trump's defense yesterday? O.J. Simpson. Because Donald Trump only brings in the best people, the very the best, very people. best people. It's what the every politician people. longs for, the endorsement of O.J. <laughs> Simpson. Another escaped criminal on the run, searching for the real killers on the golf courses of America. Some Don don't fit, you must quit. Yeah, I, Johnny Cochran, we may have to resurrect him. We may have to, there may be a suance to bring back the spirit of Johnny Cochran so that he can stand before the judge in this case and say, if Donald, I don't know, I'm not going to come from an alliteration around Donald Trump and Stormy Daniels off the cuff. I can't even do simple math. I have a question. All right. Is, is this going to help Stormy Daniels' career? Are we going to see an explosion? No, she, she's made a lot she of is. money. She's selling merch. She's, she's I actually follow merch? her on Twitter. She's oh, actually yeah. very funny on Twitter. Like, she popped up in my feed once. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have a porn star on my feed. What are people going to think? So I decided to follow her. She's actually quite funny. And she comes right at Donald Trump fans when they, like, huh? say nasty things to her. She yeah. comes back in ways that I can't say even on a podcast. But she's hilarious. She's quick and funny. And she's selling merch non-stop Ooh. and you know what stormy daniels should. action doll she should because she's another kind of doll, stormy kind of daniels doll. lunch boxes <laughs> stormy daniels pajamas stormy, stormy daniels the flamethrower merchandising flame merchandising merchandising no, anyone? No. merchandising, merchandising. <laughs> and, and it's like stormy, a, i would buy by the way a set of barbie doll stormy daniels stormy the and, stormy i would buy that Trump. Stormy and dump. Oh, oh, that's disgusting. Come on, Stormy, stop it. Stop it. I'm still having coffee here. Alicia, Did you guys I speak am... one of her tweets just while we're on Stormy Daniels? The other day, someone no, tweeted at her. You can't say that. You no, this one say I can't. You can't say while we're on Stormy Daniels. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I can't say that. I retract that. While we're on this topic, someone tweeted at her the other day, are you afraid of having to face Donald Trump in court and testify? And she said, I've seen him naked. Nothing scarier than that. There's not a bad connection to be had here between some of the fun we're having with this and some of the serious point Alicia brought up before about whether I've changed my mind. I haven't. And this is partly why. I don't think, and this is a subject of the Newsweek article that I hastily wrote overnight, and we'll see. The editor there is working on it right now. So by the time this comes out, it will either be out or she will have responded to me, Matt, you were in a fever dream last night. You couldn't even do math. This was terrible. So we'll see. We'll find out what happens. But this was the core point of my Newsweek article. Actually, I don't want to give away too much because I want people to actually go read it. But I haven't changed in part because this is not a topic that wears well. I think one of the reasons, Alicia, when you bring these kinds of perspectives onto the show, I really value it and I really try to listen because I've never learned anything talking into a mirror. I like hearing different perspectives from smart people who bring up stuff I haven't thought of. And believe me, there's a lot Why I haven't thought of. Why does right. everyone want to live in an echo chamber? I don't understand. I don't Let's take a break. We'll be right back. 
So I value that. You could be right. But the reason I have not done a full 360, I'm still at 180 here, is that I don't think this topic wears well. I agree with you that there is an initial boomlet that we have seen and are probably going to continue to see for a few weeks of Trump support. Because per Joyce Vance's point, this is the way these cases go. And Alvin Bragg is applying the same procedures, more or less. Look, he didn't mugshot the guy. He's more or less applying the same procedures to Donald Trump that he would apply to any other defendant under the law. So we don't get to see the goods yet. That leaves us feeling like this is wanting and into the vacuum are going to rush. Commentators saying there's not a lot there. This is weak. And Trump will get will probably continue to fundraise. He's already put out that T-shirt. You sent us the fundraising email, the T-shirt with a fake mugshot because everything in Trump world is fake. But I don't think that this wears well in the long term, because first of all, as Paul just said, there's a lot more detail here that we can see under the surface in the statement of facts in the indictment. There are multiple witnesses. One of the principal concerns that legal experts had going into the arraignment yesterday is that it would all hinge on Michael Cohen. That's not what's happening here. This is hinging on multiple testimonies, multiple witnesses, and audio recordings. That's pretty powerful stuff. As that level of detail gets brought forth to the American people, who remember, they don't really know the details here. They have a vague understanding of what happened here. They've heard a few terms. They know it involves an adult film star. They have not really been exposed, which is a word I don't use lightly in this context, to the full story here. Already in CNN polling, almost two-thirds of independents thought that it was a good idea for Donald Trump to be indicted in this case. And so that number is only going to go up. So sure, will his MAGA diehards do what MAGA folks are going to do? Yes, they will. They'll consolidate. But is this winning him additional votes? The man lost by 7 million votes in 2020. Is he going to gain some of those non-MAGA voters back because of this? Politically, Sure, in the short run, this could help him. It could even, it could, he could even gut this out, especially because this case is likely to play out. And Paul, I want to ask you about appeals in a second. This case is likely to play out for a long time, well into and past primary season. So could he still hold on and win the primary? Sure. But then he would emerge with all of these details that we were just having fun about, being dredged in front of the American public unendingly with breathless media coverage, he is not going to emerge stronger politically from that process with the voters he needs to win in 2024. And so either for the Republican Party, you're going to end up with an even more damaged Donald Trump as your standard bearer, or you're going to end up with an aggrieved, outraged Donald Trump who feels like the rest of the party didn't sufficiently come to his defense. And he's going to tell his MAGA fans to ghost whoever the nominee is. And that's not great for the Republican Party either. I continue to think that the bottom line is it's very bad politically for Trump. He's still in significant legal peril and it's pretty bad for the Republican Party too. That's my case. By the way, in the intervening year, we've had 
maybe two, maybe three other venues that have indicted Donald indicted Donald Dump for criminal activity. Your Don, your Donald Dump thing is beginning to spoonerize its way okay. into everything so you say. He's so, going to get indicted. Indicted. So he's indicted in Georgia. He's Jack Smith has got him indicted in for the Mara oh classified document. That's going to be the name of maybe Stormy's even, next film. Maybe even January 6th. Indicted. So that's a whole new way to look at the criminal justice system. Donald Trump would not be able to be elected to president of the United States of America because of those very independents in swing states without this indictment. We saw that in the election of 2022. Swing state Republicans who were the Donald Trump-esque, we'll call them candidates, lost universally. Why? Because people were tired of Trumpism, tired of election denying, tired of grievance campaigning. I think without these indictments, that would hold. And I think the undeclared and independents in those districts that make the decisions would be voting for anyone but Donald Trump. He's not palatable to middle America. I found it interesting what was said, some of which I watched at Mar-a-Lago last night, because <clears throat> I think these other cases, potential cases, are far more significant than the Manhattan one. I think Georgia election interference is important. I think January 6th inciting an insurrection is important. And I think the Mar-a-Lago document dump is important. And here's what's interesting. Donald Trump admitted it last night. He actually admitted he took the documents knowingly. He said, I openly and transparently took the documents with me. The second I walk out with them, boom, they're declassified. If I'm Jack Smith, who's the prosecutor on this one, I believe, I'm thinking, I've got you dead to rights on that. Like he acknowledged it in his speech on television. But didn't so, he also do that when he fired James Comey? He's like, I fired James. He said this on NBC to Lester Holt. I fired James Comey to take pressure off me in the Russia investigation. <laughs> and SNL did the parody where Michael Che is like, did we get him? Is that it? I agree with you 100%, Alicia. And yet- I'm not so sure that we got him. (laughs) And I'll tell you why, because I don't think Jack Smith is going to charge him with taking the documents. He's going to charge him with obstructing the investigation after he was subpoenaed. That's the the real charge. No, I know, but that means he knows he had them. His claim that, oh, we didn't know we had him, like Biden didn't know he had him, Pence didn't know he had him. He just acknowledged, oh yeah, I knew I had him. He's his own worst enemy, really. Donald, keep talking. Just keep it up. Karen Friedman, Agnafilo, and Norman Eisen, um, legal scholars. Ms. Agnafilo is a former chief assistant district attorney in New York, in Manhattan. They write, look, this is really not, this is not a weak case. They point out Trump is the 30th defendant to be indicted on these exact false records charges in the last year since Bragg took over the office. And that office has brought 151 total counts under that statute. And it's a pretty, as Paul was saying, a pretty straight ahead legal case. But I agree with your other point too, which is Alicia probably right. There's a lot more coming here, which gets back to my political argument here, which is, I just don't think that this wears well. Like it's all well and good for Mitt Romney to say, yeah, I think this case is weak. That's what he said last night. That kind of got a lot of play on the internet. It's all well and good for crocodile tears from the people who secretly deep down despise Donald Trump. It's like, this is a political hit job. Blah, blah. Yeah, Lindsey Graham. Yeah, what Lindsey Graham. To Lindsey Graham, by the way? I um, used to be such a huge fan of his. I don't get I, it. He's such a sycophant now. He's on the news and he says he's added to his website a button to donate to Donald Trump for this. 
And then he further said, and this actually ticked me off. He's not the first to say it. Others have been saying it for weeks and it really bothers me. He said, if all you can afford is $5, that will help. And all I can think is if all you can afford is $5, that's taking money out of your family's mouth to give to a billionaire. Yeah, if Trump, all you can if you're such a billionaire, $5, why do you need my $5? And, but can you imagine if there, there are a lot of people out there, there are struggling families that don't have an extra $5. But if they do, maybe it's a hot lunch for their kid at school instead of having yeah. to pack the bologna sandwich. And you're asking them for that last $5 they've got? That's outrageous to me. You're right. That is completely outrageous and obnoxious. It's obnoxious. Flagrant. That's a good word. Obnoxious. But I think the answer to Lindsey Graham is that he saw the cautionary tale of Mark Sanford. Paul, you remember Mark Sanford. He's the former South Carolina governor who went hiking on the Appalachian Trail, which was his euphemism for, I've flown off to be with my mistress. And he was no longer in office. As in take a hike. And then he made a political comeback as a member of Congress, because apparently only brilliant former prosecutors and total lowlifes can make it into Congress these days. You're a prosecutor, Paul prosecutor. And he was in Congress. And then he broke with Donald Trump and he was promptly out of office. Lindsey Graham sees a cautionary tale in his backyard and he knows how to take it to heart. Paul, what about appeals? You are talking about the timeline here that this could extend. How long ultimately could this process string out? How many years are we talking about? In the ordinary course of an appeal after a conviction, there are certain time limits that are set. You might have filing the appeal within a 30 days just to say, yes, we're appealing. Then there would be time set for oral argument on those on the appeal. And then after the oral argument, there would be, uh, could it be it, conceivably, it could be six months, a year of an appeal. Makes sense to me. And it does seem that other legal analysts have weighed in and said, look, a typical felony can take a year to get to trial. And then much like you said, this could string out for years, which again, goes back to my central contention that this is just going to keep dribbling out. But I digress. That would be a great alternative name for this show. I was also workshopping. Here's why you're wrong. But we'll have to leave it with this is the balance of power roundtable. For Paul and Alicia, I'm Matt Robeson, and we will see you next time or at the next Trump arraignment.